And as you do, I invite you to hear the scripture reading for this morning that comes from Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 14. We'll put it on the screen so you can follow along as I read it aloud. Nearby, shepherds were living in the fields, guarding their sheep at night. The Lord's angel stood before them. The Lord's glory shone around them, and they were terrified. The angel said, Don't be afraid. Look, I bring good news to you, wonderful, joyous news for all people. Your Savior is born today in David's city. He is Christ the Lord. This is a sign for you. You will find a newborn baby wrapped snugly and lying in a manger. And suddenly, a great assembly of the heavenly forces was with the angel, praising God. And they said, Glory to God in heaven, and on earth, peace among those whom he favors. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thank you, choir. What a blessing it is hear God's Word sung for us. I said earlier that uh, this is the fourth Sunday of Advent, so this is the last Sunday in the season before Christmas. And on these Sunday mornings of Advent, all the messages have carried a theme about looking for the signs of a Savior, the signs that we see in the Scriptures, in the Christmas story, seeing them again, maybe with fresh eyes to see what they mean for us, but then also looking for where those signs exist all around us today. And we started on the first Sunday of Advent and considered the sign of the star, the Christmas star, the star of Bethlehem that hung in the sky over where the Christ child was laid. And how the star was a sign, not just to the religious people, but to all the world, to everyone everywhere, that a Savior had been born for you, even for the people who might not even have been looking for a Savior, maybe were just curious about this sign that they had seen, maybe even especially for them. And then we followed that story that included the Magi for the next Sunday to another sign in the Scriptures. It was the sign of the gifts that they brought to the Christ child, the gold, frankincense, and myrrh, and how those gifts were a sign for us of what happens when a life is so affected by receiving the gift of Christ that the only response is to open up that life and to pour back, to give back to God, to give back to Christ everything they had, their greatest treasures, and even when that wasn't enough, to give all of themselves and embracing the gift that God had given them. And then last week we turned to another familiar sign or symbol in the story and it was that of the manger, the cradle that held the Christ child after his birth. And how not only in the manger but in all the geography surrounding where Jesus was born that what we saw in that sign was that Christ came to the people who were most humbled, most on the margins, pushed out into the stable, to the trough, to the lowly, the hurting, the forgotten. That right there, 
that is where Christ chose to enter into the world. And so this morning, we'll look again at another symbol, another sign in the scriptures of the Savior, and it's that of the angels that appeared to the shepherds, tending their flocks at night. And one of the reasons that we've gone on this journey, this Advent season together, about seeing the signs of the Savior in the Scripture and understanding them is because that's the focus of my doctoral work. I've shared that, that um, my studies are related to semiotics, that's seeing the signs and understanding the signs and what to do with them. And uh, it's been very fascinating for me. I don't know how you felt having it imposed on you for the last few Sundays, but I hope it's had some meaning and significance for you. But, uh, but the, even the practice of semiotics uh, and, and seeing and understanding the signs, for our faith anyway, goes all the way back to one of the 12 tribes of Israel. The, the tribe of Issachar was the tribe that was responsible for holding the knowledge for the people of Israel, for all the tribes. The, the tribe of Issachar were the people who were responsible for paying attention to what was going on in the world around them, to, to learn, to know, to understand, and to share it with the rest of the Israelites. So this, this semiotics has been a part of our faith even back that far. And the sign or the symbol for the tribe of Issachar, the, the animal that, that has represented them down through history is that of the donkey. So anywhere that you see the tribe of Issachar referenced um, in paintings or in pictures or in windows, you'll see a donkey. And for a couple of different reasons. I mean, one, donkeys are smart. I mean, I don't know if you know that is true about donkeys, but they're some of the most intelligent animals to go along with being stubborn. They're smart. But also there's a place in the Old Testament where Issachar, the tribe, is described as a donkey that lays down between the other tribes and, and donkeys hold a significant place in the Bible. I mean, we know that the donkey is the animal that most likely Mary rode on when Mary and Joseph were going to Bethlehem for the Christ child to be born. The donkey is the animal that Jesus rode on when he entered into Jerusalem before he was eventually arrested and tried, crucified and resurrected. Probably my favorite reference to the donkey, though, in the Old Testament is that of Balaam's donkey. I don't know if you're familiar with that Old Testament story, but it's fascinating. Balaam is a prophet, and uh, the Israelites, this is the time in history when the Israelites had come out of captivity in Egypt, and as they were pressing into other lands and expanding and taking the territory that God had called them to, they got up against the border of the Moabites, And so the Moabite king, Balak, wanted a blessing from a prophet so that his people, his army, could turn back the Israelites. And so he called on Balaam to come and bless his army. But God appeared to Balaam and said, that's not a good idea for you. That's not the side you want to be on in this battle. But Balak's envoy continued to press Balaam to come and offer this blessing. And so he agreed. And so the story goes, Balaam gets on his donkey and he's traveling with them as they're going to the king, to Balak. And as the donkey's traveling up the road, an angel appears in the middle of the road. But only the donkey can see it. Balaam can't see the angel. And the angel is a formidable character, we understand. It's 
not some dainty little you know, cherub. This is a mighty warrior with a sword in hand. And, and so the donkey sees the angel and, and, again, smart enough to know that's not the direction I want to go. The donkey turns off into the field and the story says that Balaam smacks the donkey to turn it back onto the road. And so the donkey continues on down the road and they come to a bridge and it's barely wide enough for more than one person to pass by. And the angel appears again in the path. And the donkey, recognizing the danger, squeezes all the way against the side of the bridge as close as it can, even scrapes Balaam's foot against the stone. And angry because of that, Balaam smacks the donkey again to get it back on the road. And it carries on down the road a little bit further, and the angel appears a third time. But this time the road is so narrow you can't pass by. And when the angel appears, the donkey just stops and puts on the brakes. And Balaam smacks the donkey again to get it to move on in the direction that he wants to go. And the story says that the donkey turns around and looks at Balaam and says, right, why are you hitting me? I'm just trying to protect you. Yes, there is a story in the Bible of a talking donkey. One of my favorites. And in that moment, Balaam's eyes are opened and he can see the angel that is standing in the path. And the angel says the same thing that the donkey said. Why do you keep beating this donkey? It's only trying to protect you because it sees me and I am here to tell you a message from the Lord. And just like that angel appeared to Balaam and Balaam's donkey, which, by the way, I learned a lesson from that story that the donkeys in your midst can even carry a message from the Lord. But that angel, just like so many others, appear for a reason, as a sign. Even in the Christmas story, there's angel after angel after angel. The angel that appears to Mary and the angel that appears to Joseph and the angel that appears to Zechariah, who is the father of John the Baptist, Jesus' cousin, over and over again. And then in the scripture we just read, an angel appears to the shepherds. And the angel is a sign. A sign that God has something to say. The angel is a messenger from God time and time again in the Bible. In fact, the word in the Greek even means messenger. Angelos or angelion, a messenger from God. Anytime there's an angel, it means that God has a message. The angel is a sign of the presence of God, of the word and the will of God being revealed. And in the story when the angel appears to the shepherds, The message from God is, look, the Christ has come. The Lord, the Savior of the world is here. This is what we call the good news. Which again, in the Greek is euangelion, the good message. The angels, the messengers brought the good message to the shepherds and by extension, To all the world, to you and to me, the Christ has come. Anytime there's an angel, we know that to be a sign that God has something to say. 
And it says when the angels appeared, and it's important, I think, to read the details of this story. It says when the angel appeared, the one angel appeared first, it said the angel stood before the shepherds. Now, I don't know about you, but whenever I envision this scene, maybe as you've seen it on TV or seen it in books or paintings or pictured it, I envision this host of angels up in the sky, right? And they light up the sky. It says that the angel stood before the shepherds, which makes me turn my gaze. And to maybe consider that instead of floating up in the sky somewhere, that the angel was standing right in front of him. That this messenger from God wasn't necessarily some ephemeral vision in the sky, but was somebody standing right there in front of him. Which I don't know about you, but for me that sort of brings it a little bit closer to think that this messenger from God was standing there. And then it says, the glory of the Lord shone around them, which is why whenever we see angels, a lot of times they have a halo because that that ring, that gold ring is supposed to be representative of the, the shining of the glory of God that would have surrounded their heads. I don't know if you've ever looked at somebody in just the right light and you see the sort of the glow around them, sort of the light seems to gather behind them. As probably somebody, there's probably a love story in there somewhere. It's probably in a Hallmark movie, and I just don't know it. But, um, but the, just this glow that appeared behind this angel, standing before the shepherds with a message from God. And what was the message? The first thing the angel said is, "Don't be afraid." Do not fear. Same thing the angel told to Mary. Don't be afraid. Do not fear. Why did the angel say don't be afraid? Anybody? Because it was scary. Yes. It says they were terrified. I know, it's pretty straightforward. (laughs) Don't overthink it. They were terrified, it said. And for good reason, and probably a couple of reasons. Number one is, that's not what they're used to seeing out there in the fields with the sheep. That suddenly this angel appeared before them, surprised them. The presence of the messenger of God, the sign that God has something to say, caught them off guard. As is often the way with God. This is kind of tough for me to admit and a tough pill to swallow as a preacher to say that most of the time when I have conversations with people who tell me about experiences that they've had with God or moments where they've heard God either you know audibly or just in their spirit or had had some exposure experience to God having something to say for them more often than not those things didn't happen sitting in the sanctuary of the church a lot of times those experiences happen In the midst of our lives, living our lives, living out our days, the relationships that we have, or the places that we go, the situations that arise, I think that may just be how God works. (laughs) Often catching us by surprise with a message when we least expect it. The other reason I think that they were so 
put back, terrified, caught off guard is because of the power of the message. This was big news. This was world-changing, history-changing, life-changing news. The Savior of the world has been born. Christ the Lord is here. That's the kind of message that will have an impact on your life. It wasn't just a, hey, how's it going? How are the sheep? Nice night. Yeah, it was your world has changed today. Now, unto you a Savior is born. Which is why I think it's no coincidence that Advent is the first half of the word adventure. (laughs) And in fact, what was happening in that moment, what is happening today is that God is calling us, inviting us into an adventure of faith. We've talked about Jesus for years and years as the Prince of Peace and even the blessing that the angels give. Peace on earth. If that's indicative of the kingdom of God and if that's the blessing that the angels give, then why does it seem like we hardly work for that at all? In so many ways in our world and in our lives, rather than working for peace, For everyone everywhere, we work for position, for power. We posture, politicize, polarize. We get every P in the book. And yet peace seems so elusive. And I was having a conversation about that with some of my uh, colleagues in my cohort. And I I asked the question, is it because peace is boring? Is that what it is? that, That just when everybody has everything that they need and all is well and right for everyone and we're all on level playing field... Is that just boring? So we need to spice it up a little bit. We got to find an angle to take or, or a problem to have or to point out or create. We got to stir it up a little bit. I don't know what it is about us that seems to make peace so elusive in our lives and in our world. But God is calling us into this adventure of faith with Jesus, the adventure of faith that would cause us to live our lives differently than we would any other time and for any other reason, that would cause us to give of ourselves and what we have and who we are so that there could be peace on earth, so that everybody everywhere, all of our brothers and sisters, could know the love and joy and hope and peace of Jesus so that we could raise the level for everybody. God is calling us into this adventure, the the. Our mentor for our doctoral cohort, Lynn Sweet, he said it this way. He said, Jesus does not take you to safe places. Sanctuary is not a safe place from risk. It's a safe place to take risks. This is the life that God is calling us into. This is what God was doing in the world when Christ was born. Brothers and sisters, God has something to say. Do we want to hear it? Do we want to see the messenger, the angels that God sends in our midst? There's another place in the scripture in the New Testament where angels are referenced. It's in Hebrews chapter 13. The writer's writing to the followers of Jesus, encouraging them in their faith. And he says, love each other like family. And whatever you do, never miss an opportunity to be hospitable to strangers because when you do 
You might just be entertaining angels. And you don't even realize it. The angels in our midst today that God sends and gives us a message for and from, according to the writer of Hebrews, are the strangers among us. The aliens, the people living in a foreign land, the people who don't belong or fit in. And the writer says that when we take every opportunity to open our lives, to open ourselves, to open our homes, to open our church, to show welcome and love and hospitality to these, then we might just have an encounter with an angel. I mean, specifically, the writer goes on to say, remember those who are imprisoned as if it was you that was in prison with them. Remember those who are marginalized as if it was you who were living on the margins. And this turns it a little bit for us from thinking about angels as people who do wonderful things for us and are sweet to us and are kind and show us graciousness and go out of their way for us. And we call them angels and we think of them as angels. But this turns that to to have us see angels as those whom we would do things for. Those around us who are most hurting, most in need, most pushed to the side, when we would reach out, step out, be hospitable, show warmth and welcome and love to the people who are pushed to the margins, then God has a message for us there. That this is the kingdom of God come. The Savior is here. And we receive that message that way. I was listening to a podcast this week. It's called On Being. Krista Tippetts is the host of the podcast. I highly recommend it. Uh, she, she does sort of long-form interviews, but she was interviewing a Jesuit priest, Father Greg Boyle. So I specifically recommend that episode of On Being where Krista Tippett in, interviews Father Greg Boyle. But he's a Jesuit priest in Los Angeles, and he was sent to that parish some number of years ago, and it's the area with the highest amount of gang activity in the country. And not long after getting there, he realized that that's where his ministry was was with gang members and ex-gang members. And they reported to him over and over again that they found community in the gang. That they found a place to belong. They found kinship. And they couldn't leave. Not just for fear of their own safety, but because they didn't have anywhere else to belong. Most of them had very little education, had, had not much in the way of a marketable skill. And so his ministry became giving them a place to belong. And helping them get an education, helping them get a marketable skill. And then it became starting nonprofit organizations that would employ them to use those skills. And, and, and now it's, it's, it's such a network of those types of nonprofits. It's called Homeboy Industries. They, they, get, they reach out in all kinds of ways in their community and help gang members and ex-gang members make a life for themselves. But when he's talking about that ministry that God has called him to, and she asked him about his faith and how it led to that He said, well, as a Jesuit priest, I've been taught that our faith is less about adhering to a doctrine and more about being a companion of Jesus. And this is what he said about that. I haven't found anything that has brought me more life or joy than standing with Jesus and particularly standing in the lowly places with the easily despised and the readily left out. 
and with the demonized, so that the demonizing will stop, and with the disposable, so that the day will come when we will stop throwing people away. The angels are a sign that God has something to say. And God has something to say today for you, for me, for this community, for our world. If we want to see it and hear it and look where the messengers are. In a world that is characterized by hopelessness, strife, sorrow, apathy, Oh, that we would see and hear the message of hope and peace and joy and love, not just for us, but for the world. Oh, that we would be those people ready and willing to see and hear the messenger of God. And the most beautiful ending to that story in the scriptures is that one angel is then joined by a heavenly host of angels who are singing praises to God. Glory to God in the highest. Peace on earth for everyone. God's favor for all mankind. Oh, that we would see the angel that God puts in our midst and in our path and receive the message from God for us today. And oh, that we would see that angel become angels and angels upon angels and angels upon angels and upon angels until it's a multitude of the heavenly host surrounding us singing glory to God. Christ has come. May it be so for us in our world. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. In just a moment, we're going to sing our closing hymn. And as we sing, I would invite you to hear the song as the praises of the angels for God. And envision the angels that God puts in our paths. Envision us surrounded by the angels as we sing together in God's kingdom. I also want to invite you, if you're looking for a community of faith that you can be a part of that, seeking and searching and looking for the angels and looking in the places where nobody else looks, I want to invite you to consider Shambly United Methodist Church as that place for you, where you can be a part of a community doing that together. And if you'd like to, I'm happy to have that conversation with you, or Pastor Stacy would as well. Whatever it is that you might hear from God, I invite you to listen because God has something to say. Will you stand now and we'll sing hymn number 203, Hail to the Lord's Anointed.